second out now. Hello. Hello, Joe. Did you hear the news? I heard all of it. There's a new variant. Yeah, actually, we have a graph of it. I put a graph together earlier on there. Um, it's called uh, Scary Graph. It's a picture. It's called New, isn't it? There's it there. That's all I need to know. Oh, Jesus. Look at this. Skull and bones on that thing. See how bad that is? I hope everybody's in the hills now, that you've already run for the hills, and that you're in the hills, because <clears throat> that's... So this is a graph based on a model of what it might do. That's a model I, I put together, yeah. Uh-huh. But I used your man Ferguson in the UK's... Uh, it was a replica of his models from, uh-huh. from last year. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's scary what it, similar, actually. I just, it, I just it, put the data into a computer, and that's what spat out. That's what it produced. Yeah. I didn't put the skull and bones on it. I just put that themselves. Mm-hmm. It was a computer did that. Mm-hmm. AI, I don't know, whatever, but I take it seriously because, you know, the science knows best, so. There's something deeply archetypal about this graph. Yeah, for sure, yeah. It's There's it's, a lot in it. There's a lot in it's it. It's like seared into my brain after mm-hmm. two years of this. Mm-hmm. Scary graph. And there's a helpful description of what it is there. It's a scary graph, so just in case people yeah. thought that and it was it's, just a helpful it's, graph. It's, it's scientific as well on, on the... On one axis we have COVID, <clears throat> on the other axis we have COVID. Of course, yeah. Well, that's that's, that's COVID it's squared, about. right? Well, it's yeah. It's, well, <laughs> either way you look at it, and uh, that's it. Gosh, so that's the new variant covered. What what else happened? Well, in moving, the on, moving on, for, moving on from COVID. Uh, no, actually, well, you know, we have to address the naysayers and stuff. If you just throw up. Um, uh, which one is it now? Um, uh, MSN. It was no. called new. It's not new, actually, isn't it? The MSN article. Omicron. Uh, yeah, Omicron. It was meant to be, well, it was meant to be <laughs> new. New was next and then Z, Z, Z. Or, Z or, or Z or Z or whatever. But obviously, well, the official story is that new was like, well, you can't call it the new variant. People think you're talking about just a new variant. Uh-huh. It, that's not scary enough. Yeah. As evidence my, by my graph there that it should be scary. So bypass new and then go to Z, but G or G is it actually it's not just the Chinese premier, uh, Chinese president uh, who's called that. There's a lot of other people called G. It's quite a common name. So it would be kind of discriminatory towards all those people, associating them with a deadly scary uh, variant. Uh, so they had to move on to the next one, which was Omicron. Now, I hope nobody's called Omicron. There's probably a few people in the world called Omicron, but they'll just have to suck it up. Omicron. Omicron. The president of France, no? Omicron. Omicron. Yeah, well, it's a bit close to that, actually. Yeah. But as, as many people have, have um, pointed out, it's also... Um, uh, Omicron is an anagram for moronic. Mm. But that's just coincidental. Anyway, this article, the naysayers who would... Who would obviously push back, try and push back against my my the graph that my model models produced. This is the person who actually discovered it or first saw a sign of this this particular variant, which are normal variants are normal happen all the time. She says that it's extremely mild. Ah, uh, yeah, mild. But Jesus, that's scary because you never know what it might do. Right? Could. Because I'm hearing a lot, I'm hearing that... Kill you in a mild way. Like, the World Health Organization it could be, said it could be of concern, in quotes. Well, it's, yeah, of concern, yeah. It's concerning. Sure. It should be concerning, based on my model, but, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, people can make their own decisions. There's the doctor who, who actually discovered it, says it's extremely mild. It, one of the symptoms, I mean, I think the only symptom is a headache. So, it gives you a headache. 
Um, but nevertheless, um, if you look at the Sputnik article, um, just before that, um, Fauci is weighed in, and I'm glad to see that Fauci agrees with me. Uh, at least he's speaking about it in, in, in more more severe terms. Um, may already be in the US, and it's going to spread all over, according to Saint Fauci. So I like to hear that kind of thing where people are encouraged to be afraid of a very mild variant that gives you a headache because you never know what that could develop into. It could develop into quite a bad headache and um, and then you might die oh. from a headache. But so, if you get the vaccine... Get the vaccine and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, according to Pfizer, I think uh, Moderna said they can produce a, vac- a vaccine against Omicron in 100 days, so everybody line up, um, you know. For the Omicron shot. Yeah. Uh, plan your Omicron shot now. That's a, but that'll be after getting your third booster for the Delta because you never know the Delta's hanging around yeah, there as well. Yeah, that's still there too. And then, you know, just hang out, wait and see. There'll probably be another variant later down the line. So maybe just, you know, leave some free time for another jab for that one. Probably sometime next year. Could even be before uh, you get the Omicron variant uh, booster or jab or uh, the fauci Ochi. Um, you might have to have, there might be another variant that you can schedule in there. Anyway, just, I know people are, you know, I know people are eager and enthusiastic about getting these kind of boosters and as many as possible. So just, you know, give them a bit of time. Give the pharma companies a bit of time to put it together. Well, they don't push too much. Don't be, well, yeah. don't any crowd crushes or no. No panic buying or panic queuing up for, for shots, you know. Just take it easy. There'll be enough for everybody. Yeah. Eventually. Um, detecting South Africa actually that's not true Botswana no well yeah Botswana South Africa it's all Africa right yeah yeah. just to be like politically incorrect it's all Africa so um, pretty much well, it was like six or seven countries um, are now restricted travel you're not allowed to come to in Europe and Australia yeah you're not allowed to come from those countries because that that helps you know what I mean um, helps business Helps people and their livelihoods to restrict travel and that kind of stuff. So yeah, helps you know, you know help us you know recover from 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 the past eighteen from months. From the yeah. virus, so you want yeah. to lock things down a little bit more, <clears throat> yeah. just to just to get back to normal. Let's do a bit more lockdown. Yeah. And they're shutting down non-essential business at five p.m. in the Netherlands, yeah. stuff like that. It's to help businesses. Get it's back to help businesses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, fa- can be transmitted faster than other strains. Good. Um, also among young people. And could be resistant, resistant to vaccines. If you just throw up the, um, talking about vaccines and this variant, throw up, Bot- I think it's Botswana? No, Bots, Bots W. Uh, this is from the Botswana government. Uh, you might have to zoom in there a little bit. Um, First sentence, right? Four cases of new COVID-19 variant Omicron were reported and recorded on Monday, 22nd November. Uh, no, it's uh, the part where, where is the part? Um, there, second. Second part. The primary report revealed that all four had been fully vaccinated for COVID-19. So, brings up a few questions. Um, obviously, well, first of all, 
these people tested for a variant of which is normal, it's what all viruses do, it's what the flu virus does, it's no big deal. They tested for a variant of the original SARS-CoV-2, of which there's been, there have been several, and they tested positive for a new one. Did they have any symptoms? According to the mild symptoms report, they probably didn't, might have a bit of a headache, I don't know, felt a bit, you know, COVID-y. A bit subpar, yeah. but that's about it. Um, so, and these people have been vaccinated. Does that mean that the vaccine doesn't work? No, 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 no. That means that the unvaccinated caused it. Caused it. And therefore, the vaccinated need to pressure the unvaccinated to get vaccinated. Otherwise, this wouldn't have happened. Well, I'm having trouble following your logic there a little bit. Uh, that's what they say. I'm just following the regulations and the advice. Right. Well, anyway. The health authorities. The point being, um, these people in whom it was found first, uh, all vaccinated. Fully vaccinated. Although fully we're not sure what that means because that changes day to day. But In South Africa or in Botswana, probably two jobs. Two probably didn't get a booster yet. Two, shot, two jobs, and there's not a lot of people in Botswana who've been vaccinated, so it's interesting. Oh yeah, it's like 6% for yeah. Africa as a whole, isn't it? So it's interesting that the only four people that this was found in were um, vaccinated. Does that mean, is that that's something we should be concerned about? Not really. Does it mean that the vaccine doesn't work against this variant? Well, it depends. Did the people die? No, they didn't. They probably didn't have any symptoms whatsoever. Well, if they had any symptoms, they were going to be mild. If they didn't, Do all, they did was found, all they did was find this variant in the, the, in a, as a result of a test in these four people who have been vaccinated. So it doesn't really say anything about vaccines in terms of their efficacy against this variant, uh, even though it's got a bunch of different uh, mutations, 30 or something. doesn't really make much difference if you understand even the basics of epidemiology. It doesn't really matter um, for the most part, you know, in most cases, that there's, that there's mutations on a virus because it's still... You know, your natural immunity or your vaccine-induced immunity is going to continue to work. What it does bring up is the question of whether or not this muta these mutations were provoked by the fact that these people had been vaccinated, i.e. the vaccine challenged the virus, the virus got wise to the vaccine. You know, it not, not got wise to it, but they, the, vaccine, or so the virus responded to the challenge, the attempt uh, from this highly specific vaccine to kind of wipe it out and it mutated as a result of that. So it's just, for me, it's more evidence that the vaccines are actually causing mutations. And that's obviously something that has been part of standard epidemiology, virology for quite a long time, for decades, that vaccines more often than not are the thing that causes mutations in viruses rather than uh, people's own immune systems and the way that they respond to them. There's different reasons for that. We'll not get into them, but that's the basic, basic science on it. So, yeah. I, I could believe you or I could believe the science. Well, Here's my theory. I think it busted wide open, right? Yeah. Africa has the lowest number of cases mm -hmm. per capita by far. Africa has the lowest COVID deaths, officially, per capita by far. Africa has the lowest vaccination rate per capita by far. Ergo, because Africa is not vaccinated, the unvaxxed Africans... Cause this new strain. You're struggling. But that's what the official science says. They found it in four vaccinated people, though. Oh, yeah. Because they're surrounded by unvaxxed people. Yeah, you think they would have found it in, in, un, in vac, unvaccinated people as well. Oh, no, you see, it's, it's... Remember what they said in the summer? A lot of time informing us of the science of this in the summer. They said that 
the unvaccinated are petri dishes for mutations of SARS-CoV-2. So the Delta variant came through the unvax, and it's getting around the protection you would normally be afforded if you're vaccinated. So it's harming the vaccinated, but not because they were vaccinated, but because the unvaxed remain unvaccinated. Well, in the same... Yeah, that's... Voila, that's the science. That's what you've gleaned from the messaging, they, from the media and stuff. But they haven't said that... Speci- have they said that specifically? They keep saying that... The only, the only real reference you have for that is Fauci and, the like, it, yeah. or Fauci and the likes of him saying that this is a pandemic and the media repeating it, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. They don't really explain any science behind how uh, mutations or the continuation of the spread or the you know the continued existence of this virus is is due to people being unvaccinated they don't explain uh, why that happens or how that happens from a scientific point of view because there is no explanation for it because it's not true from a scientific point of view there's no reason to think that unvaccinated people are the ones who are causing a virus to mutate compared to vaccinated people especially when you see vaccinated people getting transmitting getting COVID transmitting the virus uh, getting sick from the virus, dying from the virus. Uh, I'm not going to say as much because the figures are very hard to, hard to get as much as unvaccinated people, but they don't talk about those figures. Nobody's delving into those figures. And the only thing that we can really, that we've able to, been able to glean from the actual figures is last week when we talked about uh, that data from the Office of National Statistics showing that from April until September, September this year in the UK, all-cause mortality was uh, deaths, basically, all-cause deaths, were twice as much in the vaccinated as in the unvaccinated. You, you would agree, though, that based on the fears that remain, especially in the vaccinated, that the overwhelming implied message from on high is that it's this is still going on because of those of course of course and the reason they're implying it is because they can't be explicit about it because if they were explicit about it they wouldn't be able they wouldn't have a leg to stand on from a science point of view uh going back decades from an epidemiological or uh, virology point of view they wouldn't be able to make any any case to that effect so they just imply it so it's all it's all smearing suggesting that's been you know, it's nudges, right? It's all about behavioral science and getting people. This is all about getting people to do certain things and act in a certain way and live, live their lives in a certain way and very little to do with um, very little to do with public health. Um, just throw in here, just since we're on, on the, well, let's throw, throw up AIDS there just as a reminder. Throw up the picture AIDS. This is from, I mean, there's, this is one of many. Stockholm University, this is from June 2020. It hasn't changed. Uh, there's plenty of other sources that can you can you know look at to get the same information. <laughs> look at all those nines. Um, this is your chance of surviving COVID nineteen by age and sex. Um, zero to nine years old, pretty much zero risk. Ten to nineteen, very similar. Basically, when it's ninety nine point nine 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 or nine nine even <laughs> or even ninety nine point nine, it's pretty much. You know, for the average person, that means zero. Don't worry about it at all. And the problem is that all of we, all that we've experienced over the past 18 months, or since this was put out, which is, yeah, almost 18 months, uh, has been everything that has been said by government and done by government and said by the media uh, has, be, has flown in the face of this data. And this data is repeated across the board, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, so what there's no underlying is, justification for any of it, is my point. That's your point. Okay, I can't say what I was going to say. Because, you see, I just look at those numbers <clears throat> as a member of the public, right? Mm. Average public. And all I see is death. Because what you're telling me is there is a chance of dying from COVID. So what you're saying is there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. Yeah, I'm saying there is a chance. I yeah. don't know what it. Maybe it's all the nines, and people subconsciously are aware that nine is associated with death. And maybe. they see nine point nine 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 nine, and they're like, "But you just have to look at the heading of oh. surviving, surviving COVID." Ah, uh, I don't know. That's Those your. Nines, that's though. your. Yeah, you don't like the nines. The nines are scary. But this is. I know. I I hear you, but like. Well, let's let's go to. This isn't hidden. This isn't. Yeah. This is reported. But it's reported next to headlines that convey foreboding. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. I'll go to the Telegraph article from a few days ago. Actually, from yeah, two days ago. Um, no, the other one. So here's an example of a, a headline that you might think is scary, right? Excess winter deaths 27% higher in second wave than during last bad flu season. This is from the Telegraph two days ago. It's talking about the UK. ONS Office of National Statistics Analysis reveals that there were 63,000 excess winter deaths in 2021, in 2020 to 2021, over that winter period of whatever, six months or whatever it is, compared with 49,410 in the 2017 to 18 winter. That's pretty, 27%. Now you've got a number there, a two and seven make nine. Are you scared about that nine? Mm. 27% higher, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the actual figures that, are right there, 63,000 died last winter, excess deaths, compared to roughly 50,000 uh, a few years previously, 2017 and 18. That's a difference of 13,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. And it's 27% higher. Mm -hmm. um, of course, people would ascribe a lot of that to COVID and all that kind of stuff. Um, but those numbers have to be placed in the context of how many people die every year in the UK, mm -hmm. which is... Depending on the year, up to 600,000 every year in the UK. So you have a difference of 13,000 between from 2017 to 2021 in winter deaths, but you put that in the overall deaths, overall yearly deaths over a year period, and you get so the difference is 13,000. So you, you do uh, the sums of 13,000 uh, percentage, what percentage 13,000 is of 600,000? And it's about two. So you had in one given year, you had an overall 2% increase uh, in overall deaths. Uh, than, than two years previously. Than two years previously. But I, then, but I thought then, that but wasn't then, the case. This does seem like new data. I thought that actually, including 2021, were, there have been much worse years with flu. In the UK. There have similar, been similar years with flu, which is, and they're citing one there, which is 50,000 excess deaths. Now, you know, in, in a population of 65 million, you know, having 13,000 excess deaths, it's, it's marginal. I right? hear you. There's, and, there's and, scrounging for, and they have found it, so to speak, assuming it's right. accurate. Let's give it to them. It is accurate. They're scrounging, but they end up getting to put in their headline the words deaths and 27% higher yeah. next to each other okay. because it is, say, technically true, but... Without the, context, without the context, which shows that it's without a the, hair's Without the difference. calming down context, it's exactly the opposite of what they, what they you know, should be doing, which is putting in context and, and easing people's minds. That's not what they've done over the past 18 months or almost two years now. Yeah. They have excited and horrified and terrorized people's minds. But that 49,000 number in 
that itself was up much more than the, than the, than the 13,000 compared to this last winter, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the winter of 2017-18, deaths were about 50,000 excess deaths that winter. The previous winter, excess deaths were 20,000. So from, or not the previous winter, say, I think it was two years previous, 2015, you had, so between 2015 and 2017, you had a jump from 20,000 excess deaths in, that, in the winter of 2015 to, to, to almost 50,000 excess deaths. So it was an increase of 30,000 deaths and no one batted an eyelid. But when there's a, an, excess, an, an increase of 13,000 deaths, almost one third or maybe a quarter of, uh, of that number of the previous jump in deaths, only a quarter compared to... 2015 to 2017. Uh, so 2015 to 2017, you had a difference of 30,000 excess deaths in the UK over mm-hmm. the winter. 2017 to 2019 uh, 19, or 2021, yeah. you had 13,000. And that justifies a, a scary headline. Right. So again, that's context, right? It's context at of least what twice it, the number. What have we lived through in the past? What kind of excess deaths have we seen in the past? in the past number of years, over the past 10 years. Well, there are spikes in particular years which were more than the spike yeah. that they're citing in this article. Yes, there were. Oh, yeah. Did anybody freak out? No. no. There was a huge one in France in the summer, 2003. Right. Remember the heat wave? Yeah. 20,000 excess deaths just among the elderly. Yeah. Of course, in the context of this of, of this um, excess death, 62,000 uh, excess winter deaths, 2020, 20, the winter of 2020 to 20, 2021, um, you have to, from that ex, in that excess death <clears throat> number, you have to include, because um, that's over the pandemic lockdown lockdown year, you have to include uh, the data that has come out that we talked about quite often, and it's from, from last year, where there were 20,000 excess deaths in care homes in April and May in 2020. Um that were not COVID related. So, you know, there's a, no one has done all of the sums. You can imagine the amount of yeah. data you have to collect and do all the sums and come down out to a figure. And the problem with all this data and statistics and stuff is that anybody can use it in any way they want. You know what I mean? Um, so there's not much point in us really fighting about it or, or trying to fight against that because people will use statistical data whatever way they want to pr- prove whatever point, to make whatever point they want. Um, and so there is scope for you know, anybody to do that, but just as, as the government can do it and can kind of not way fudge the numbers or put them in a certain context that that, that doesn't show, doesn't give an accurate picture, uh, other people can do that and put it in a different way that shows a different picture. Put it in context, then you get a different picture. But it's not the job of government, or it's not the, the goal of government, obviously, to, in, as we've seen over the past 18 months, it's not the the agenda of government to to calm things down, to dispel a crisis. No, a crisis is there to be exploited and to be encouraged so that you can do things that you didn't do previously or you weren't able to do previously. Um, yeah, so um, there's also just on the Omicron thing, if you go to the Substack, um, Alex Berenson, Substack.com, he just, Alex Berenson on Twitter, he, oh, he's not on Twitter anymore, he's on Substack, uh, he just <laughs> threw this because out there. Because he was booted off Twitter. He was booted off Twitter, but he just collected a few articles that that on the Omicron thing, and it makes a good point. You know, this is, uh, you can look up the article yourself. New York declares a health healthcare state of emergency over a COVID variant that doesn't exist in the state, which is, yeah, exactly, if you scroll down uh, from the HuffPost. 
New York declares state of emergency to hike hospital capacity ahead of Omicron variant. So uh, to hike hospital capacity, it means to increase or to, you know, in the expectation of some or to of some wave of of, of illnesses or whatever. Mm. Um, and they then, if you scroll down, there's another article from ABC, Long Island Hospital temporarily closing ER due to nursing staff shortages amid vaccine mandate. Now that gives it a different spin on the situation where New York State was, uh, you know, um, kind of going into battle stations with their hospitals. There's other articles talking about them cutting off... Um, Mm, certain surgeries and that kind of stuff, cancelling certain surgeries, surgeries in order to prepare for, uh, because of, well, they don't say because of staff shortages, because of um, capacity in order, in order, for the coming, in, wave the coming wave of Omicron. But then you look down and you see that actually uh, the real problem seems to be nursing staff shortages because uh, they booted um, large numbers of nursing staff um, because they wouldn't get vaccinated. Yeah. So there's not a lot of uh, truth in media yeah. anymore. Uh, here's an example from across the pond in Ireland. I just sent it to you, Scotty, Irish Times. COVID crisis is like somebody flew planes into every hospital in the country. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's 9-11 times. What's the population? Five million. Yeah. Severely hit, yeah. And uh, I won't get you to scroll down, but it's basically saying, yeah, indeed, it's similar to, to what's been reported elsewhere. Since well, just, the start of this flu season, the hospitals are creaking for, for real because there's a general increase in demand for hospital beds. And right. only X percentage of them are genuinely COVID, COVID related, no? Well, yes. Well, in France, as we mentioned, uh, a report that came out about hospital activity in France in 2020, um, 2% of hospital admissions in 2020 in France were COVID-related. And this was, as we said last week, I think, and, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to try and square that with the, sta the claims last year, throughout last year, of hospitals being, <coughs> as if planes had hit, had hit them more, hospitals yeah. almost literally collapsing from the weight. And then you find that 2% were actually, from the weight of COVID patients, then you find out that actually 2% were COVID patients. And yeah. the explanation for that, and the explanation that may still be going on, is that they have, to a large extent in many countries, kind of mothballed yeah. uh, a lot of hospital services. Uh -huh. So when you take a lot of staff away, and if you boot out a lot of staff, take out a lot of staff because they're at home self-quarantining because they tested positive, or you're simply taking the, being very prudent and... Uh, Pairing it down to only essential services, when you put in a small amount of patients, it's going to be "quote unquote" overwhelmed because yeah. you've reduced capacity in the hospital. And then the normal amount of patients that come in that really need to be treated, it feels like like that's it. Like I said, like the hospital's been hit by a plane, right? It's a ridiculous analogy, but anyway, like it's overwhelmed. But well, it's it's not overwhelmed because of cases. It's overwhelmed because you have basically. The gutting. Gutted your health well, care let's provision. Let's look at the next tweet from an Irish uh, senator or TD explaining Ireland's situation. How did it end up that it feels like there's planes flying into the hospital? Mm. In 2001, Ireland had over 22,500 hospital beds. In 2021, 20 years later, we have 14,000 hospital beds. In that 20 years, our population grew by 1 million people or 25%. Right. So it's basically there is massive pressure 
be on the health service because the government the two, two political parties. parties the government gutted it, mm-hmm. and that's that's the, look at the time spent. I mean, this goes beyond COVID. This is like austerity. Remember all that? This mm-hmm. didn't really affect Americans as much as it did in Europe. Mm-hmm. They went through a bunch of countries. They bankers, the European Commission, the uh, what were they called? The tri- trifecta, the triumvirate. I don't know. Anyway. Because countries like Ireland defaulted basically on their debt because of the 2008 uh, global financial crisis. And they were told, this is what you're going to do. You're going to start to slash everything. Healthcare. You're going to slash, Especially destroy your... Especially not only. Destroy your... Yeah, not only, but destroy... You're going to have to <coughs> back off on funding for your national healthcare service. Depending on the country, these bankers came in and looked at where your spend was. If you had a lot of spend, like in the UK, in Ireland, in France, different places, if you had a lot of spend on... National Health Service, they said, listen, you've got to cut that back. This is as like... As I think like, France uh, cut back 60,000 yeah. hospital beds. Right. As the population is increasing. Yes. And then something... Any, it's not even that something like this comes along. There have been complaints about uh, lack of availability of healthcare services in many European countries, like going back increasingly, obviously, as that, that guy just said, uh, you know, as they started got it since, since the early 2000s <clears throat> and increasingly reduced the, <clears throat> the number of beds. Uh, a number of services, um, so While it's the already been a problem. Grows in the other direction, right? So in that case, it would have been reduced by half, effectively. As the population yeah. grew, they reduced by less than half the beds by less than half, but the population grew by twenty five percent. I mean, that's well over fifty percent reduction in availability of hospital beds um, and services uh, associated with services, including profe- personnel um, over that period of time. So it's been a problem that's ongoing. And has been talked about repeatedly in the media. In case people forget, <clears throat> you can look back over the archives and see that there's been there's many reports in the media <clears throat> about healthcare problems, <clears throat> excuse me, and healthcare crises, particularly in bad winters when there was uh, significant circulation of respiratory viruses or whatever, and hospitals were kind of a bit overwhelmed. But because they've got them, so it's a bit disingenuous. So to blame it's not that, the COVID that. pandemic that did this. No. It's the government that <clears throat> not did at all. this. Not at all. That, that's the big, the core kind of issue and the big lie at the heart of all of this is that <clears throat> there wouldn't be any, I mean, because apart from people's fear of dying, which is ridiculous because they've been, they've been told that by government and by behavioral scientists in order to, you know, for their own, for government's own interests and in keeping the population scared and controlled. Uh, apart from, the people's fear of, um, of of the virus itself. It has been the 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 core problem has, like we're saying, has been uh, in terms of the panic around it or the, the problems. Uh, the problem has been lack of healthcare service uh, as a result of government cuts. Um, that that's what's caused, you know, the the, the crisis essentially. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because uh, one of the core <coughs> one of the core claims or one of the core scare tactics has been our health service is in crisis. It's collapsing yeah. under this COVID wave. No, it's not collapsing under this COVID wave. It's collapsing because you've collapsed it progressively yeah. over the past 20 years. If you make that case, then it you can dismiss COVID completely because COVID would be managed just like any other respiratory virus. It wouldn't yeah. be an issue. The, the, the thing is, people don't understand to what extent this is a massive farce. It is. It is all built on a lie. The premise, the fundamental premise of all of this is, is, is based on a lie. Um, and my problem is that I see people now, because we've got, we're so, so far into it, yeah. I see these people, you know, argue, Qu- quibbling over, quibbling over details 
that are way down the line, if you know what I mean, in the narrative, when yeah. they don't realise that they have to go back to square one and realise that their quibbling is completely irrelevant. They need to go back to square one and realise that all of it is based on a lie. Uh, and that people die all the time, and the people who have died from this particular virus are the same people who, have died, who die every year from flu and other respiratory illnesses. Viruses mutate all the time as Viruses well. mutate all the time. It's completely normal. Uh, even this idea that it came from Africa is ridiculous. Uh, it happens very often that viruses mutate at, at, in different places at the same time. So focusing on one geographic area is is wrong, <coughs> is, is false. It's just a spurious mm. claim. But it justifies government to say, you know what, we're going to lock down... Uh, Travel, no travel from that to and from that country, so more population control. It's all. If you look at all of it, all of the, all of the, whether they intended or not, all of the policies around this so-called pandemic end up affecting the population in terms of controlling them uh, through government policy. Yeah. That's, and without and that's any logical, without any matching or corresponding um, pattern to the claims that are made about the reason for doing it. So, right. for example, okay, it's March 2020. People start to panic. There's a, and the headlines are, there's a deadly pandemic uh, uh, underway. We need to lock things down. But air travel was open mm -hmm. throughout. Mm -hmm. Now, they gave the impression, it was implied well, to everybody. a lot of people. They said, well, I should, I should, I'm not able to fly. It's yeah. physically impossible. That wasn't true. Mm -hmm. You could fly. Borders were open. All the politicians are flying around. It, in other words, their actions didn't correspond to what they were saying, which yeah. would be to shut the borders. It's, yeah, of course, but they didn't shut the borders, really, at all. There was a few places you technically couldn't go to, one of them being New Zealand, the, the kind of zero COVID places. But for, for, for the rest, you could go. Of course, there were some restrictions, but if you had any sense, you could easily get around those restrictions with certain claims. I mean, one of them was uh, if you're going anywhere for health reasons, yeah. doors were opened. There was no one was going to stop you flying anywhere you wanted for help, for for medical treatment, uh, and all you had to do was was get a, some kind of a letter from a doctor claiming that you're getting treatment in a certain country, and off you go. Uh, and you know that's what happened. Um, Speaking of zero COVID, you know China's that's still its official policy. It's the last remaining country. Mm. The Australia New Zealand quit that. Singapore quit it. Vietnam quit it. But China is still officially zero COVID, which means that. They want no instances of the COVID. Isn't it bizarre how that's the official policy? And yet they did seem to be the first to return to normal life. Yeah. And their economy is growing. Maybe not as much as they had thought, but whatever. It's back in economic surplus mode overall. Mm -hmm. the, the reason we saw that is because we were looking at this Bloomberg article. Do we want to bring it up? About yeah. the, the supply chain. Um, Scotty has it. He has it. Okay. Um, Bloomberg this week. Supply chain crisis only getting worse with China's seven-week port quarantine. And it refers there to its zero COVID. China's increasingly extreme COVID zero policies are standing in the way of a full recovery for the shipping industry and prolonging a crisis that snarled ports and emptied shelves worldwide. Uh, that's obviously a spin. It may be the case that China is it's zero COVID policies to, what, to whatever extent they're applying them and where they're applying them that they are causing some snarling at ports but as we've seen as, of, as we've reported on in previous shows that's not the only thing going it's not on. the only thing going on and obviously there's as much as much of that problem of supply chain issues is caused by COVID policies ridiculous hysterical 
totalitarian COVID policies in Western countries, uh, notably, as we've talked about previously, like I said, Los in, Angeles in, in, in Los Angeles and California. They, um, 40% the, the, of China stuff arrives there. All, all the shipping the containers are sitting offshore. Yeah. So where's the, where's, the back, where's the snarling of Chinese ports if all of the, if all of the uh, container ships are sitting off, off, off Los Angeles but can't come in? And why can't they come in? To, because there's no drivers. There's no, the, that's the primary reason they, they've given, yeah. Right. But that, that was happening and there were people actually reporting on it okay, in detailed reports of why that was actually happening. And it was to do with uh, people leaving their jobs, a, a, a labor shortage and... Um, a policy about empty containers, how many empty containers you could actually stack at a port and all this kind of stuff. You know, so it had nothing. The very fact that there are container ships sitting off off the port says that it's not a supply problem at the, at the, at the actual supply end, at the originating supply end. It's not a problem of supply from Chinese ports. It's a problem of supply to the end user and the, the backlog of the bottleneck happening at American ports. So that's America's problem. America's doing something, America, those ports in America are doing something that is not facilitating the, facilitating the movement of that product. Yeah, there's definitely some, some politics involved because we know that uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida has encouraged people, ship, shipping companies, to reroute down through the Panama Canal, come up to here, we'll let you in. Yeah. <laughs> so just in him doing that, he's highlighting the fact that there's, there's politics involved at least. Mm-hmm. Although there may be an actual snafu in the sense of not enough yeah. people to actually drive the damn containers off the ports right. and across the U.S. So, um, uh, protests, a lot of protests are ongoing. It's like... Oh, God, it's... It's, huge. it's, it's almost huge like the joy. more... The, the, it's the, being reported in the mainstream. A little. It, a little, but it's Australian almost, media did this week. They the, had to. They were huge. They're having to, yeah. But, uh, I mean, and do, like almost, well, maybe maybe getting to dozens of countries, certainly a dozen countries of, of note, uh, having major protests, uh, particularly at the weekends, but also during the week. And not just in major cities, but also in smaller, uh, not just capital cities, but in also uh, other major cities. Um, in France, just this weekend, obviously there were protests in Paris, as there have been. Uh, yellow vest protests and interestingly reports about yellow vests uh, protesters joining force with Antifa like basically people carrying the Antifa flags and them all marching together Mm -hmm. against government totalitarianism basically around around COVID but that was also happening in in other major cities in in, In New York City other major cities in France though as well other than Mm -hmm. just Paris you know but in New York City Australia um, Italy is ongoing Slovenia, Belgium, Holland, um, the UK, Ireland. Uh, just throw up the Barcelona front, last night. Yeah, Barcelona. Just throw up the Irish Central one. There's just there's a good kind of quote in it, and it's just a picture of thousands of people um, on the streets um, yesterday, uh, Saturday. Yeah, and this and a speaker, Richard Nifuilain told the rally <clears throat> that Irish society had descended into a dictatorship, a totalitarian dystopia, since the outbreak of the pandemic last year. <clears throat> and, of course, the media reports thousands of anti-lockdown demonstrators. Yeah. Maybe there were tens of thousands. Um, that's the first time I've seen the Irish media just acknowledge that that's what the claim of the protest is. 
Yeah. Because so far it's been like, yeah, hundreds of far-right protesters were messing, mucking about yesterday. Mm-hmm. Move on. Yeah. But it was big enough now that they actually had to state. Yeah. And if you scroll down. What they want, what they're talking about. A little bit. They're just, uh, yeah, she said, she said that she was opposed to vaccine passports and added that discrimination against a new minority was now encouraged in Ireland. It has become intolerant. Hate speech, hate speech towards unvaccinated people has become, become the norm and is now being is now rising exponentially, uh, being coerced to take the vaccine. So what's well, interesting because Ireland over the past 10 or 15 years has been all about anti-discrimination like many other countries have been. It's all been about minority rights and not discriminating against, against minorities in the context of an influx of immigrants and the government feeling that they had to uh, put out this message repeatedly to people to not be racist or discriminatory against minorities. And yet, this is precisely what the government does uh, against the minority of people who have been who have chosen not to be vaccinated because yeah. they don't need to be. And at the head of the march, the banner was simply truth and civil rights, right? which puts you all the way back to, like, someone gave a speech, he was a teacher, I saw a bit of it, um, he made reference to that man there you see at the end of the street there's a great statue of um, Larkin mm-hmm. a Larkin speech in 1913 to massive crowds of people was about the Dublin lockout mm-hmm. and that was about workers rights workers, trade unions yep. Yep. and so on so on lockouts lockdowns yep. I mean the similarity they, they, the speakers right. drew all these parallels mm-hmm. you know and they're under the banner of it's not yellow vest per se it's just simply truth and civil rights you can go you can make it as broad as that because that's that's where the rubber hits the road. I think it's it's dawning on people. You know, a lot of people get very excited now and they say, oh, there's a global awakening happening. I don't know how far we can go with that analogy, but when you see in New York that the police trade union is walking side by side, waving the US flag with the pink hair BLM types, mm-hmm. something's going on. Yeah, yeah. People are starting to figure it out, at least uh, on the basics. If you go to the BBC, it's just a quick report from Australia. I know uh, people know about Australia already and the shit show that's going on down there. But um, uh, this woman deserves some props. Uh, she set fire to a quarantine hotel that she was being forced to stay in. Um, and if you just go down to the third, yeah, just below the, it says there, the fourth paragraph. It came as Australia confirmed two cases of the new coronavirus variant, that being Omicron, which is prompting new restrictions. So... Two cases in the entire country of Australia of a, a, a new variant, which happens all the time with viruses, no big deal, never been seen as a big deal, uh, and also that is has been described as having extremely mild uh, effects, and Australia decides to impose new restrictions. I don't... How can anybody not see the ridiculousness of that? Who 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 are these people who support this? Can someone show them to me? Can someone... Can you go and get one now? Go pull someone off the street and I want to ask them, do they think that's reasonable and do they not think they should take a stand against it or you know, what's their opinion on it? Because I'd love to see, I'd love to hear from someone faced with that idea of like a country of like Australia or any other country who, who uh, are doing the same thing of tens of millions of people and two people were identified as testing positive for a new variant of a virus that is endemic in the population now and, and has been normalized. And these, this virus will, like all others, will mutate regularly. And that it's known that this mutation, this particular mutation, causes extre- 
because it's basically no symptoms, no different. And that, but the government has decided to impose restrictions on society as a result of this. Can you exp can you give me the the rational explanation for for why that's? Give me the rationale for that. How how it makes sense? How anybody should support it? Because apparently, I'm getting the impression that people do that. There's somebody who supports that. Yeah. Somebody thinks that a good, that's a good idea. That in any reality, that makes any sense. I get that impression. Maybe I'm just getting that from the media, but I'm wondering if there is anybody out there who could say, yep, that's the way to go. Probably. Maybe. Probably. If the government says so. The government, the media, the media, it's social proof, you know. It's like, if you were to believe the media, then that is what most people think. Yeah, the media tells people what to think, what they think, yeah. what other people think, um, and therefore what they should think. Yeah. Where do you find them? Well, they're there. They're out there for sure. But shouldn't they go back on Iraq? This is footage. I want to. I think we should play footage of this is from Melbourne yesterday. Um, the police acknowledged something like two hundred thousand. Organizers said mm, half a million easily. Um, that's just one city. There's a massive one in Sydney as well. Um, both this week and last week. Australia, like, never had these protests before. Look at the scale of that. And this isn't someone's drone. This must have been a media chopper. That's, um... That's Dan Andrews State. Hmm. There's about, um... There's about most of the people in, in the state of Victoria, which Melbourne is the capital of, uh, live in Melbourne, a city of about five plus million people. So that's, if it's half a million, that's 10% of the population. Mm -hmm. So 10% of the population of five million, that, I mean, like we say, and you can multiply that by, by a lot more. For supporters. For people who support them. So how, uh, which would be anymore, Which really. would be the whole population. Pretty much, yeah. The vast majority of the population think it's ridiculous. Yeah. That might be, I mean, the, without <clears throat> real polling, we'll never know, but... Uh, Even if it's 200,000, it's still more than a quarter of the population. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's yeah. Australia. Uh, have you been following what's happening in Guadeloupe? Uh, yeah, the Frenchies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> those natives in Guadeloupe don't... Uh, <laughs> Don't take kindly to... Uh, it's insane. To I mean, it's like... It's, it's, rule from it's Paris. yellow vest times something. It's, it's more... Uh, it's even more intense than that. The French government... So Guadeloupe is a bit different to other former colonies. It is fully incorporated as an overseas territory yeah, of France. it's part right? of France. It's a department um, of France. There have been major, major riots for at least two weeks. A national strike... National uh, Island Department-wise strike. The French government last week sent in special police forces um, from probably from its raid unit. And they've been conducting some, like there's video footage <coughs> taken from above in people's apartments, you know, nighttime raids, shots fired, real shots, live rounds. Um, people have set up roadblocks everywhere. 
I don't know what to show first. Maybe I'll show some footage of their protest. This is like the intensity of what's going on there. It's so intense that the French government has dangled a carrot. Paris has dangled a carrot this week saying that they will um, consider discussions with leaders of the protest movement to grant autonomy to Guadeloupe. Mm. So they're like going, we don't just want the restrictions lifted. We want it all. (laughs) Play the sound a bit. Guadeloupe population, just for reference, Guadeloupe population is 400,000. Not a lot. So it's a lot of protesters for uh, an island of 400,000 people. I'd say vast majority of them are the entire population. Yeah. Unhappy. Okay, so that's by day. At night, um, there are actual shootouts between... Um, they don't say who, but gunmen are shooting at police and firefighters. But that's because the firefighters and police, to the extent that they're yeah, involved on the side of Paris, are actively trying to dismantle massive roadblocks that they put up. Mm-hmm. There's footage on, online of them, like, you know, pe- basically communities getting together, sawing down trees so they form blockages on the road, setting dumpsters on fire. The special forces were shooting at people, and they were doing night raids, like, you know, mm-hmm. bashing through doors and stuff. And this is all filmed and put online, especially it's being followed by this account, Anonyme Citoyen, who's been keeping track of protests globally, not just in French, in the Francosphere of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just see what the, make sure I get the, the claim right. Okay, so headline here, France to consider some autonomy for Caribbean island amid unrest. Mm-hmm. It goes. It it goes. The history of this goes back beyond COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also reeling from austerity, mm-hmm. as we talked about earlier. Um, and there's always been a latent independence movement. Well, it's been turbocharged by stricter, harsher, more punitive measures placed there than on the French mainland. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely fueling all this. Um, there's no word on how many people have died in the riots slash police counter moves against the riots, but uh, it's it's pretty ferocious. And it has to be for the government to say, okay, okay, we'll talk autonomy. Yeah, very well. I do, um, pull it up here. I can't remember what this shows. Maybe it's just some roadblocks and stuff, but uh, this is this is from my own account on Twitter, Scotty. Uh, yeah. Right. There might be live rounds we hear, but it could also be the firing in uh, smoke grenades into apartments. Mm-hmm. Get people, yeah, that was get suspects out. They put everything on lockdown at the at the, at the beginning at of the this. beginning of the protest. They kind of like imposed a lockdown, and they were going house to house or apartment to apartment. Uh, yeah. Forces. Okay. 
Okay, so you basically see people rolling out uh, roadblocks um, here and there, and then police coming in and trying to remove them. But it's, it's that that's going on, but the, the night raids on specific addresses mm. with heavily armed um, French, in quotes, special police. Well, they shipped in police from France. Yeah, they said 200, but uh, it looked a lot more than that to me. Yep. Basically, armored personnel carriers smashing through roadblocks to conduct night patrols. It's full on over there, man. I don't know if that's like a foretaste or, like I said, it could be context-specific because there's a kind of an independent movement going on here. But uh, it is formerly a department of France. Yeah, just like And it's gone area. full... full dystopia, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um... One thing that occurred to me during the week, uh, and I just said to look it up, because I noticed that over the past uh, quite a while, actually, a few months, actually, that I haven't heard much about Spain and looking at the, the COVID, mm. COVID nonsense around Europe. Spain's been very quiet. There's been like... No it dominated me- headlines <clears throat> in 2020. Yeah, but this... The, as most, the exemplary. Yeah, but most of this um, year, nothing. I couldn't find any. There was nothing popping up. Uh, so I looked at it and then uh, I looked into it and wondered why it's so quiet there. And of course, I'm suspicious because whenever the media isn't reporting on, you know, uh, a certain country, particularly around COVID, I suggest that it's not going the way the media would like it to go, which is some kind of like serious crisis problem that they can, you know, catapult into the minds of the pe- people's brain or into people's brains. You know, so uh, if you just look at the, ta- the first Telegraph article that you that you put up before, um, the reason is um, you put it up the Telegraph before you had it up the first time. Uh, the reason. Um, that you're not hearing much about Spain is because, in particular, this is uh, Isabel Diaz Ayuso, who is the, she's basically kind of like, I suppose, the governor, if you want an analogy, is the governor of Madrid. Uh, Spain has about has 13 autonomous regions, kind of like states, and Madrid is one state. It's it's not the biggest most, and the most populous, but not far off it. And uh, she is the uh, leader. Um, of 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 the Madrid region region, and she has taken a really a really adversarial stance towards lockdowns and stuff, as you can see in the headline there. She's called them an abuse of power, and then has a go at the left because she's from the kind of right wing party. Um, has a go at the left, claiming that they have a paternalistic obsession with them. Um, Wait, are you sure you're getting the right? Because the subheading suggests that it, this woman Ayuso has defied. Spain's overall government to free the city from restrictions, so that she's the, just that she is the one who's keeping them up, huh? If you read the sub, the no, she's defied Spain's government and she has freed the city from restrictions. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So she's defied currently the the, the government is a, is a left wing socialist government, and she's she's on the right. She's the Partido Popular Party, right? Uh, right okay. the Conservative Party. Um, if you scroll down a little bit, um, so she's able to use her devolved powers to apply the loosest set of restrictions to business and leisure in Spain before abandon, abandoning all limits last month. And she says the economy is all quite, you know, quite uh, sensibly says that the economy is also a health question. Um, and she says, if you scroll down a little bit, Scotty, I'm reading it. No, we can't see it. We can't see anymore. Uh, oh, you're not logged in. Okay. Playing off health and economy against each other is a lie. 
because what happens to the people because what happens to people who are ruined what about their health and the people who commit suicide or suffer depression um so yeah uh she says we have shown that lockdowns are not the answer we have gone on the attack against the virus and not against businesses and said that people need to take individual responsibility to fight the pandemic and she's weathered unprecedented pressure after going against lockdown. Right. Uh, she says paternalistic left-wing governments think that citizens are better off locked up in their homes and living off subsidies. <laughs> uh, we have shown in Madrid that you can fight the virus without destroying people's personal hopes and dreams. Her fans call her Saint Isabel. <laughs> she's idolized by restaurant owners. Um, <laughs> she says, one of whom has, na has named his venue Freedom Cafe, while another sells a dish inspired by her politics. The recipe has a lot of eggs in honour of the huevos she showed in facing down the coalition government in, 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 in Madrid, in the, the main government. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's the reason. And of course, where kind of Madrid leads, uh, other regions will kind of tend right. to follow, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So generally speaking, Spain is... After it's like you said, extreme lockdowns and stuff of 2020, it has pretty much just, it's kind of almost, I don't know if there's another country that you compare to, maybe not China or whatever in terms of its policy, but it's basically just gone meh. So they're not, not doing the whole COVID pass thing? No. Interesting. Uh, so a little bit of but balls or huevos in this case from within a country yeah. can but you need the right person. put the kibosh on. You need someone like that to be able to take within that in a position of enough of enough power to be able to, to to do that. Who has a bit of sense? But the vast majority of them just fall in line with the overall overall hysteria. And uh, it reminds me of the slow, you know? uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida. Yeah, exactly. Similar. You remember? Well, we didn't mention it last week, but two weeks ago he had a ballsy stunt at a press conference in which he made a show Trump style of showing that he was signing. Four bills that would prevent any mandating of vaccines in the state of Florida. Right. Well, look at this latest headline. I think I, I sent it to you. This week. Headline, Town Hall. Florida reports lowest daily COVID cases per capita in the country wow. as lockdown states see rise in infections. He's totally vindicated. Can we, can we draw any conclusions from that? Is it possible to draw conclusions from that? Or you're not allowed to? Is it like... Would it be hate speech to draw a conclusion well, from that? The logical conclusion would be DeSantis for president, or is that? Well, the logical conclusion is that lockdowns don't work. Uh, lockdowns have the opposite impact that they, that, they, that, they, that they claim it, that they have. And, and taking the approach of people like DeSantis and this woman in, 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 in Madrid is a way to do what they claim they've been wanting to do governments around the world uh, as in open back up and put this all behind us but none of them are doing it they're continuing with this obviously this omicron variant they're they're doubling down and i've said this repeatedly they're not letting it go there's most of the governments in the world especially the major western governments are not letting it go they could let it go it could go back to normal you could have your life back it could all be a distant memory but it's not they're not going to allow that to happen because there are two high on the power and control trip that uh, the claim of a deadly pandemic and the effect it has on the population gives them, which is to allow them to control the minutiae of people's lives and manipulate people 
and keep people in a state of fear. There's only one rational conclusion at this point after 18 months going on for two years of looking at the overall picture. There's only one conclusion and it's that all of this was concocted for the specific reason of tormenting, controlling, manipulating and scaring the population for, for, so that governments could... Get off on it, basically. Govern. So governments can govern better. Virus going to virus, but on the other side, government's going to govern. Govern you harder. Govern me harder, Daddy. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, of course, Big Pharma's right in there as well with their their money-making scheme. They they love the monies. Uh, There's a great article, actually, in the Jacobin, which is a good, uh, well, for the most part, a good website. If you just throw it up there, Scotty Jacobin mag. Uh, Big Pharma's... Favorite Democrats saved the drug industry half a trillion dollars. Mm. So, first first paragraph. Big Pharma's massive lobbying campaign and advertising offensive against Democrats' drug pricing plan saved the industry nearly half a trillion dollars. That represents a return of more than 1,700 times the investment the drug industry had made has made in lobbying Congress this year. That's a pretty good return, 1,700 yeah. times return. So yeah. basically, in the Build Back Better, Biden's Build Back Better bill, they had put in pricing caps or whatever that sound like they're good, but they actually were only going to save the country, uh, America, the American taxpayer, uh, $250 billion. But a few different uh, House Democrats, a few, few different Democrats are in the third paragraph there, um, Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona, Scott Peters of California, and Kurt Schrader of Oregon all got together and negotiated uh, different kind of price caps that would uh, or, or that would save um, did I get that right? Yeah, would save. Sorry, I got that the wrong way around. It would save the, the initial Build Back Better bill would save seven hundred billion dollars for the taxpayer in drug prices. So we're taking that money away from pharma in terms of the, the prices they put on drugs. Yeah. These these three got together and reduced that saving to the country, to the American taxpayer, down to $250 billion, thereby giving the, the, the difference, $450 billion, to pharma mm-hmm. in terms of higher prices for drugs. Um, I mean, you saw that price, the, the, the thing for the, was the, 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 the Merck drug um, against COVID, uh, I think it was, coincidentally enough, it was $1,700. Was, was it 1700 Anyway, it cost $17 to, to manufacture, but they were selling it at, I can't remember the number. Merck's, Merck's Miraculous COVID drug. Yeah. Mm. It was like 50 times the price or something like that, or 20 times the price. Yeah. It's, it's because it's a racket. It's, and, and the interesting thing is that, price gouging. but the interesting price thing is that the taxpayer funded the research that developed the drug. So the government, the American government, gave Merck the money to develop that drug that cost them $17 to produce mm-hmm. that they are selling to the population and co- charging the, the average person in America something like 170 maybe is 10 times the price. Yeah. Well, it's quite social welfare. So this is part of the same deal, right? Overwhelmingly goes one way. Right. But this is part of the same deal. That kind of price cap where, where they're allowed to exaggerate, increase the price by 10 times the cost or allowed to make a, a 1,000% profit on, on their drugs – that's been facilitated by certain Democrat politicians uh, who themselves are receiving shitloads of money, mm-hmm. i.e. Uh, millions of, of dollars in funds from 
pharmaceutical companies and the way they give them money, quote unquote, is that they, it's bizarre. Like, I mean, there's other, other, other ways they obviously give money indirectly and that kind of stuff. But one way that they give it, the most prominent way they give it indirectly, that's at least kind of, it's above board, but it shouldn't be, which is that, that the pharma companies spend shitloads of money on advertising for that, uh, that political, that politician's whatever campaign yeah. they're in, in for the Senate or for Congress, for a return to Congress, whatever, uh, they put in shitloads of money into the advertising, big upping them on billboards across, across, the, across the state and across the country. They'll throw tens of millions at that. And then that senator, obviously, or that person, whenever they get reelected as a result of that advertising paid for by Big Pharma, then uh, is able to propose, mm-hmm. uh, modify or change laws that mean that Big Pharma can charge ridiculous uh, amounts of money and make massive profits on drugs that the American taxpayer has already paid for uh, d- in the development of. Yeah. It's awesome. And you think there's awesome. no corruption in any of this? You th- people think that all of it's on legitimate on, on, it's rank. It's on rank the rank level, it's right down to COVID and how it plays out with COVID and the, and the nexus between politicians and big pharma, that w- which I've just described. People then think that they're all on the level when they talk about COVID and what needs to be done and how bad COVID is and how dangerous COVID is and how many drugs we need for COVID and how people ne- need to keep uh, stay afraid about COVID and keep getting your boosters and keep getting your vaccines and keep, keep, keep taking the drugs that we keep manufacturing with your money for this virus. Why, again, I mean, it's appealing to reason here. I'm appealing to people's reason. And well, there's yeah. not a lot of it out there, but... No, and you might start with Jacobin, which, you know, has yeah. been pro-COVID agenda since the bloody beginning. Right, yeah. <laughs> and anyone else is a right-wing death cult conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist member who, does, who doesn't believe that this is the plague mm-hmm. returned. Um, another criticism I have with Jacobin is, that I bet, without having actually read the article, I confess, they make zero mention of the fact that if Donald Trump were still in the White House, this would never have happened. No, he would never not. have left the so-called left Democrat politicians do that because one of his main beefs and successes in his first term sorry, his only term, was that he took on price gouging in the United States and massively reduced the cost to the working classes for drugs. Right, which was part of a, which was a big problem with Trump, right? Massive problem because the anecdote that we live in a biomedical security global complex globalist state is really apropos because in the last 20 years, the left completely missed this, but we've gone from big weapons, big defense, big oil, being by far, at the time, the biggest spenders of lobbying money in Washington, D.C., two, by a factor of two, they now dwarf them by a factor of two, big pharma. Big pharma, yeah. They're pulling the strings. It's, it's rank, it's like, it's like the rank corruption they pointed out on the left 20 years ago, but it's squared now and it's so pervasive. They can't see the freaking structure of it. Like, it's like goldfish in a water, in a, in a, in a goldfish bowl going, what water? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're swimming in it. It's yeah. off the scale. For of course, sure. another voice who would be pointing it out if he was allowed to have any kind of mainstream access would be Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, literally an enemy of the state, according to the Biden regime, and treated as such when it comes to media access anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, in other news, just throw up that RT article, um, kind of connected maybe probably not but coming to a coming to a headline <laughs> near you very soon um the leader of the taliban has delivered his first televised address since the group took over took power in afghanistan in august and it's an appeal a plea for help 
He vowed not to interfere in other countries and asked for international aid. We assure all the countries that we will not interfere in their internal affairs. We want to have good economic relations with them. Uh, he said in his 30-minute speech that he's trying as much as possible to solve the problems of the people, which he blamed on the country's previous US-backed government, calling it the weakest in the world. And then the context of this is that Afghanistan is facing the prospect of a humanitarian disaster with half of its 38 million people on the brink of starvation, according to UN estimates. Inflation out of control, food prices soared, um, and while once the U.S. pulled out, they just dropped Afghanistan and its people, its 38 million people, in the in the toilet. Basically, uh, foreign aid form, formally accounted for up to 75 percent of the Afghan budget under the previous U.S. dodgy administration, and which said leader took off with stuff in his airplane, right. <laughs> Yeah. And he also reiterated the call on Washington to, un to, to unlock the $10 billion in Afghan funds that froze in response to the regime change in the country. So that when America left, it took more or less took $10 billion of Afghan money with it, and now the Afghan people are starving, and America's like, meh, you made the wrong choice. So that's how much they care about people. That's how much governments care about people. And yet, throughout the entire COVID bullshit pandemic, Everybody has been working off the assumption that this was all being done. All the totalitarian restrictions were all being done on the basis of the government caring about the people. People have got a, a lot of waking up to do, and if they push, if they let it go any longer, it's not going to be pretty. Like because they're in, like we've said so many times before, they're in a very abusive relationship with the government, and they're denying it. And um, we only so long you can deny that from before very bad things start to happen, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, Many, if not most people, well, we don't know. We, we were wondering about this earlier. Like, can the figures in these protests tell us anything? Um, I'm not sure. Here's here's counter evidence. Today there was a referendum. So one of the few countries on earth that actually allows any kind of voting, any kind of say on all of this COVID stuff was Switzerland mm -hmm. because there was a referendum. I, I think the last I saw before, it's the county's ongoing now, but by two-thirds to one, the Swiss people, with a turnout of three quarters, voted to approve government's COVID agenda. Right. Which includes, you know, no access for the unvaxxed or minim minimized, ac reduced access and privileges withheld for the unvaxxed and so yep. on. So, I mean, if that's what genuinely what the Vox Populi is in some countries, Switzerland, a wealthy Western country, then fine. People that's have lost the blood, yeah. Well, they've written their own doom, you know. Speaking of yeah, privileges, throw up uh, boosters, the picture, JPEG boosters, Aaron. Um, this is on a store, on a, I think it's on a supermarket front. Uh, That's what was in my head when I said that. Supermarket yeah. fund uh, in Ireland. Boosters. To protect our vulnerable community this winter, it is vital that we all play our part. Please come forward to receive your COVID-19 booster, immunity status. Please note that failure to keep your vaccination up to date on an ongoing basis will, will result in your vaccine passport becoming void. Privileges will be granted to fully vaccinated people only. And then they've got a little, five little, six little <coughs> syringe uh, icons down below and the first two ticked off 
Have you got your third one yet? What about four, five, six? That's fucking creepy because, you know, later on, they're going to have the same poster just with yeah. a slight tweak. We'll and three or four three. will have to be with a check mark. Yeah. And if you don't have three or four, no you're an anti-vaxxer. And no Get privileges. Out. Yeah. That's on a supermarket. Are you sure? It's not like the airport or something. Maybe. I'm looking at the background there. Mm. Could be the airport or bus station or something weird like that. Um, one of those weird places. Um, yeah. Uh, Ireland's probably similar to Switzerland. Then. It's just like... Well, we again we saw the big protest against it, but yeah. <sighs> what's um, happened to? And this is the put up bag. Happened to the country of rebels. Yeah. Well, there's still some as we saw in the protests. Uh, this is from the US. What is um, she doing? Well, this is a policy. In, what was done to her? In a rather? hospital, where any uh, or in a care home, care facility, I think, where the policy was that any care facility inmate. Or patient or person um, who was anytime they were moved out of the room to go anywhere else, they had to have uh, this bag put over their head. Um, and it's, it's if you look at it, what does it actually say on the back? Something like it's something about equipment. Don't put it over your head because you can suffocate. Yeah, it, well, it says suffocation risk, and it also says some, uh, something equipment. So it's just some bag that they pulled off, like a, probably like a, a TV or something, that they, or whatever you know. Uh, and they're using that as a, as a quote-unquote medical bag. So they just, you know, if you leave your room in that care home, and it's possibly that this has happened across across many care homes where people, when they leave their room, have to be uh, have a plastic bag shoved over their head. That's where we're at, you know, and it should tell it's, you something it's one step about... Away from just it should tell you something about the state of human beings. I mean, this is a commentary on human beings and all ordinary human beings who do this, who take it this far and, and believe the hype and the nonsense and that, that, you know, that leads them to do inhumane things like this that are clearly inhumane, but they're doing them on the basis of it being for the person's own good. They're going to, they're going to save you to death, basically, right? That, that kind of left, leftish, so-called left-wing kind of um, care, foundation. care foundation that Jonathan Haidt talks about when driven to these kind of extremes. Well, literally, you'll be, you'll be saved to death, you know? Um, and the, the, the people doing it will be like none the wiser effectively, you know. There'll be no malice in what they're doing. They were like, I was just doing what I thought was the right thing to do because Dr. Fauci told me to do it. Like, Jesus Christ, those people are dangerous. Anyway, um, and also other effects. Go, let's look at kids learning. This is a report from Brown University. COVID rules are blamed for 23% dive in young children's development. A disturbing study shows scores in three key cognitive tests slumped between 2018 and 2021 with face mask rules among possible culprits. Well, it was the only thing that actually changed. Um, yeah, so it was from Brown University. Um, face masks and other social distancing measures may in fact impede children's development. Um, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. So it's like the kind of stuff that was obvious to all sensible people now has to be proven by a long-term study that's only done after the damage has been done. I mean, it's like, we, and there's so many aspects of this whole past 18 months, two years where people went, you know, that's wrong. That's stupid. That's bad. Don't do it. It's wrong. Instinctively knew it just because they're normal human beings and they can, spot, they can identify idiocy and, and something that's dangerous right off the bat, right? Just as a normal function of being human. But they were, that was overwritten by the whole, by government propaganda and, 
and everybody's going to pay the price, or a lot of people are paying the price. Um, there's also the whole football thing. I mean, I was heartened, if you can call it that, by a report during the week from RT, who are actually reporting on, if you open the foot, football one, oh, sorry, foot, um, <coughs> again, this is, RT at least had put an article together at least giving voice to the idea that this large number of footballers and other athletes who are collapsing and dropping down with, is newsworthy. With, is newsworthy and should be reported on. And and you should also, you know, you know, openly questioning whether or not the vaccines have something to do with it. Given that the vaccines are the only variable that has changed in the past ten months. six to sixty eight months. Um, but of course, then somebody pushes back against it, like some so-called leading cardiologist saying that it's a terrifying it's terrifying but it's just a coincidence don't panic go and get your booster um you know we were talking about this earlier and that whole thing of follow the science and believe the scientists people don't understand that scientists are good they're they're, they're basically nerds right and they should be put in a room i'm not all of them but most of them should be put in a room and told to do the things that they like to do and want to do. And then when they have results, then they give those results to responsible, proper human beings, <laughs> normal human beings. Because scientists, some of them anyway, especially the nerdy ones, like they are not equipped to make the decisions or to comment on how you know, the result of their research should be applied or how it might impact society because those people tend to have a very materialistic, very mechanistic view of everything in life, depending on the science, the discipline, the part area of science that they work mm -hmm. in, but, and on human beings, especially if they're involved in, you know, human health. And, you know, they're, they're not, they have a ten, there's a tendency, I'm not going to talk about all of them, obviously, but there's a tendency among them to have that attitude of being quite, you know, sterile and there not being a, a lot of milk of human kindness involved in their analyses of of, of the human being. Of human Which is beings why they went into hard science and not like right, nursing. Nursing or other, some other care-based uh, uh, career. So, but there's a load of them today over the past 18 months are being, are given that role of communicating with the public about what to do based on the science that they have themselves collected or other scientists like them have collected and how they should apply to human beings. And supposedly, in doing so, they're meant to take into consideration uh, the feelings of the population or how this might impact people at an emotional level. And they, a lot of these people can't even spell the word emotions, right? They don't know what emotions are. They don't have any. Or not, Okay, I'm being a bit extreme. But that's not their forte, let's say. So they should not be opining on that. Like I said, go into your little scientific room box and do your studies and then give us the results and then we will decide what to do with it, other people who are equipped. But again, the problem there is the people who are supposedly equipped to do that, like politicians, they're a bunch of scumbags as well. They have been ponderized and corrupted up the wazoo as well. So they're not in a position to actually make proper, caring, compassionate decisions about what to do with this evidence as it pertains to the population as a whole. So we have no genuinely compassionate represent, representation for the population in any positions of power today. Well, we have exactly the opposite. A few outliers, outliers like Madrid. A few outliers here Florida. and there. And they're the ones who stand out and, and shine out, basically, among the, the pile of manure that is the rest of them.
So, I did I make myself clear? Yeah, super Are you getting clear. what I'm trying to say? Super clear. <laughs> how do I follow tell up? Us how, tell, tell me how you really feel. Do you have any thoughts on that, Scotty? No. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but, and one last thing, Ottawa, Canada. We'll have to do an honourable men- an honourable mention for Canada. Uh, Ottawa.jpg. Uh, this is just a little thing that the Ottawa Public Health or something, or the government, basically Ottawa, Ottawa the Ottawa regime, which of course is the capital of Canada, um, Public health is investigating a person who tested positive for COVID-19. This is like, the, what you have to understand about this, this, this missive or this circular that was put out widely in Canada to all departments is basically like an FBI most wanted uh, poster, right? Auto Public Health is investigating a person who tested positive for COVID-19 who traveled from Trudeau International Airport. That's not the... That wanker, Justin Trudeau, it's actually his father who might have been as much of a wanker, I don't know. But anyway, who travelled from Trudeau International Airport in Ottawa, in Montreal to Ottawa, on November 24th, leaving the airport at approximately 8.30pm using a private rideshare service, blah, 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 during the contagious period. As part of COVID-19 case management and contact tracing process, Ottawa Public Health follows up with close contacts of individuals who have tested positive for COVID-19. The male individual who picked up a single ride share passenger from Trudeau International Airport in Montreal for transport to Ottawa in a white car is advised that they were likely exposed to COVID-19 during the following period. And then they go, Tuesday, November 24th at approximately 8.30pm, arriving in Ottawa at approximately 10.30pm. If you picked up a passenger from Trudeau International Airport in Montreal to transport to the Ottawa area in the above noted time frame, you should monitor <laughs> closely for symptoms of COVID-19 until December 8th and follow these instructions. You should immediately self-isolate and call Ottawa Public Health to speak with a public health nurse. So it's hard to figure out what's actually going on there, but this is a circular sent out to everybody who was in any way along this person's route, right, to all airport staff, all airline staff, all taxi Taxi staff, staff. everything, and to put out as widely as possible. And they're all meant to self-isolate and crap their pants. And the the reason they should do so is because the focus of it is that one person in Montreal Airport tested, did a PCR test or something when he arrived, tested positive, and they were only able to identify one other person. Well, no. Yeah, one other person who was somehow in contact with him, and that person are tracking him going from Montreal to Ottawa. And then they're putting this out so that anybody, we can't follow it all the way down the line, so anybody who might have seen... Um, single white male getting into a white car, then that guy was in close contact with someone in Montreal who tested positive at the airport with no symptoms. And you all need to lock yourselves down until the 8th of December. Or call this nurse if you suspect anything. Or if you suspect anybody. (laughs) Which could be anyone. That's the level of mentality around, I mean, in in Canada. I know it's the same in a lot of other places, but particularly in Canada. Australia, they send the media after them when they catch them. Bizarre. Do the perp walk of shame, you know? It's absolutely bizarre. And for a virus that basically only is only as dangerous, by and large, as as the flu. Where, how did we get here? It's madness. The world has ascended into madness. I don't know how it keeps going. I really don't know how it keeps going. It's amazing. The, the level of insanity out there and how people are so divorced from reality and from reason, and yet it keeps sticking over. Nothing. Jordan Peterson all the time says he's always amazed at, at just civilization, modern civilization, how the lights stay on, all that kind of stuff. Well, holy shit, he hasn't seen anything. Like, I mean, it's, it, how, can, how can people function 
with this level of 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 well because like it, being so dissociated because from most reason human organization slash civilization actually takes place organically there have been studies that have shown like for example when belgian Belgium had no government for almost two years because they could the political infight and they couldn't put together a federal level government. Things just went on normally. In fact, they showed that the economy did better without a government. Right. Yeah. <laughs> without a formal government anyway. Well that's very there true. Still yeah. people issuing orders, da, 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 no, there's still but you see the vast majority of human interaction doesn't require the government. That's the big secret. That's the big bluff at the heart of all yes. this. All of Why this is meant to say, us. you need us. But people are going to find out, hopefully, in larger and larger numbers, they don't. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Like when 9-11 happened, one of the most amazing, spontaneous things happens without any federal or local missives. People spontaneously self-organized. And they were going from one side of like Staten Island, New Jersey, and crossing over. And talking to people and getting them evacuated mm -hmm. from Manhattan right. Island, there was no. It was remarkable, and there were documentaries made about it after the fact that it just spontaneously started happening. Yeah. People self-organize and self-govern, and it's only fear that keeps them, and the terror perpetuated by government that keeps them in this bluff that they need us to keep safe and to keep functional. Mm. You don't. But you, they may actually compromise people's ability to self-organize and get right. Them, like, Eventually, it's going to take an effect. It's going to create an effect, and it's going to start collapsing for real, right? Because it's become so detrimental and toxic by destroying. By their... and large, during normalish times, despite corruption, despite it's insane government ideas, it still carries on. Yeah. The lights still turn on because people the garbage reason, still gets collected, etc. People have their own reason and ration uh, and, and rationality and and common sense and they just carry on and do what needs to be done but by filling their heads full of lies and nonsense and distract you know destroying their ability to read reality correctly through through pandering promoting lies to them repeatedly for for, for 18 months to two years they're actually compromising people's ability to get on with life themselves and you know to to, to, to do to, to get on with things without government basically you know what i mean people are so frazzled and so freaked out and they're literally not reading reality correctly like i mean they're believing lies all the time and believing lies totally distorts and distracts your ability to function correctly in reality because you're 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 accustoming yourself or acclimatizing yourself to 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 yeah. to extreme subjectivity and yeah. you know it just becomes a habit in a certain sense you know yeah you will know when it'll it'll collapse so to speak in stages you know system here an incident there, and eventually possibly a cascading effect, and then it'll be, who knows, a moment in time perhaps, or perhaps it'll remain local. It'll be one country or one region that just goes kaflui with mass rioting, starvation, mm -hmm. weather events, whatever form it takes. It may not be an all-or-nothing absolute point in time where the threshold is reached. It may be threshold-specific depending yeah, on different places. the place. But um, that's when you'll know that common sense for real it's no longer something like hyperbolic that skeptics like us would say, there's no more common sense. No, there still is because things are still functioning. Lights are still on. There's common sense that for now is still critically correcting mm -hmm. the myths of some government and going, okay, well, I'll, I'll implement that to some extent, but yeah. I'm actually going to secretly not do A, B, and C because yeah, it's stupid. then there's a nuclear 
meltdown of the plant and right, no one, yeah. everyone's dead. So yeah. I won't actually do, but I'll go, yeah, 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 I'm doing all the things you said. Okay, yeah. but I'll, you know, but that won't go on forever. If you have consistent terrorizing pressure, yeah, yeah. Well, eventually People the nuclear away. reactor does melt down. Because person, somebody's walked away or whatever, they just yeah. had enough or they can't handle it. Or they were fired because they didn't get jabbed. Yeah. Where was the guy who was supposed to be in charge of making sure that didn't happen? Uh, you fired him last week, sir. What? I did? Oh. oh. Well. Well, it's COVID's fault. <laughs> that's the problem with COVID. Um, two last graphs. Sum up where we're at. COVIDia. COVIDia. There's a good graphic of where we're at. COVID-19 public manipulation model. Slate reopen, moves to new variant, moves to... Something cases. Surge, surge in cases, moves to lockdowns and further restrictions, moves to vaccination or another booster, moves to slight reopen, moves to new variant, moves to surge in cases, moves to lockdown and further restrictions, moves <laughs> yeah, to vaccination or another booster. Hamster on a wheel. Uh, and now, it's presenting a false choice to people. I see it a lot. You know, you get a lot of skeptics writing stuff like, Okay, people, here we are on the hamster's wheel. We've got two options. We can keep following it or we can rise up and fight. I mean, there's a third option. You can just step off the hamster wheel. Right. Yeah, for sure. Dismantle it. Work with other people like mine, yeah. community-based. You know, you don't have to follow or fight. Hmm. You know, but it, the, the stress on people is that they want to relieve that stress. Yeah, right? for sure, yeah. And doing creative proactive things that take work well they're not in a state of mind for that for a lot and, of them. and another super simple graph uh that um really you know is based on models uh models that were modeling um it's just called graph.jpg models that were models based on reality basically it wasn't actually any numbers it was just looking at reality and putting that data into a computer and on the left that was supposed to happen more vaccination, less COVID. What's actually happening? More vaccination, more COVID. End of story. You could you could just present that as a your your argument. You know, here's where we're at. Yeah. <clears throat> Can we do something about this? Can should we change something? Obviously, the thing that was supposed to happen isn't happening in a very clear and obvious way. So maybe we should do something different, or maybe we should just. Uh, Give the whole thing up. Walk away. Give it up as a bad idea. Walk away. In your mind, at least. Say, you know, it was you still fun. have to pay Caesar his taxes and stuff, but in yeah. your mind, walk away, renounce it. It was fun while it lasted, but, you know, let's let's just... this. I'm getting bored of this COVID business. Let's just move on, no? There's nothing more. Nothing more exciting, more disastrous, more scary. It's like, it's like well, your man Chris Witty... The chief medical officer or whatever, chief, chief scientific officer, you know that weird baldy guy looks like Gollum in the UK? Uh, he said uh, that he was concerned about with the Omicron thing. He was concerned about it, but he was also concerned that he would not be able to bring people with us if we were to implement new policies. And I said to him, you know, uh, he probably didn't hear me, but I said to him, tell you what, Chris, you go on ahead uh, to where you're going and we'll follow you down later, okay? <laughs> You, you go where you need, think you need to go with this Omicron thing, you know? Do the restrictions, whatever, and we'll, 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 we'll catch right, up. We're right behind yeah, you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll right be right behind you, you for sure. Yeah, Just yeah, trust yeah. that we're behind you. Yeah. 
Well, that's an nice. example of an, an, an egghead, a nerdy egghead scientist guy who just has no out clue touch what, with, uh, what's going on like, and doesn't know. Well, out of touch, but the scary thing is they, they are people. in touch with something yeah. because they instinctively or consciously, who knows, it might depend on the person, know that uh, to bring them along with us, we're going to have to <clears throat> jab them with a little terror. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, what are we talking about these days is COVID. What's up with that? Yeah, what's up with that? Why, why weren't we talking about COVID? Did we talk about anything else other, other than COVID this week? Uh, well, knock-on effects, the supply chain issue. Yeah, whatever, that's still COVID, right? And whether China's anything to do with it. No, well, we can't. I mean, it's all COVID. It's wall-to-wall COVID, isn't it? What about what, 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 Wakushka? How do you pronounce it, Scotty? Wakusha. Wakusha. What about it? Walk I it mean, off. That was happening. That was last Sunday. Yeah, well, A little well, while so. after we finished the show last Sunday, it occurred. Yeah. And probably people have heard enough about it already. Well, have they? CNN said that uh, an SUV ran into people. Must have been a, a, one of those, uh, you know, um, self-drive. No, uh, they said an SUVs. SUV ran into people. And first reports we're getting, and everyone in the media repeated this, was that he was fleeing a crime scene. Right. I, there was something going on, and that was what motivated him. Well, three days later... Waukesha police chief says, no, he wasn't fleeing a crime scene. Which leaves the elephant in the room, which the media wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole, specifically his motive. Hmm. They seriously try to cover this and say it was a tragic thing, you know, a tragic accident, incident, suggesting that there was no motive, that this guy plowing through and killing, now it's been updated, six people. Um, five elderly grannies and an eight-year-old girl were killed because it was a children's community Christmas parade held in Waukesha uh, every year, injuring another 62 people. And, you know, it took online sleuthing from non-media or alternative media people to find out who it was. It was. And what his past form was. What his past form which was. was actually Darryl Brooks was a long-time convicted felon with a 50-page rap sheet and had just, he ha- was fleeing from something. Not fleeing, excuse me. He had just left something. He had just left being released from a Milwaukee jail. Actually, not on the day. It was several days before the attack. But he had passed form running over. On a $1,000 bail. Right. And why was his bail so low? Because Wisconsin and other states, after... George Floyd, 2019, Wanted to go massively lowered the bail requirements for petty crimes or something like that. And black people. Specifically, particular. yeah, it was affirmative action type stuff. And he got out on his bail and, and he, he plowed through a bunch of people. And, and he had passed form of running people, running a person over as well with his car. He had I, a history of I didn't at least know once, that specifically. He had a history, I think it was his girlfriend or something or, or some love interest or something, he ran someone over, ran them over in a car. Uh, so with all of that, you know, I mean... He has, like, all the social media. People troll through that. He's like, Black Lives Matter, up the wazoo. And the implication being that it was We should response. kill whiteies. Very much made death threats in general, not against specific people. The implication being that it was in response to the Rittenhouse verdict. Yes, of course. Waukesha is 60 kilometers as the crow flies, I think. Right. Like, less than an hour's drive. He was pissed with the verdict, which had just come out before. So anybody could have drawn, any reasonable person would have drawn that conclusion, but CNN and other media basically tried to play it down. They didn't want to even go there because... They didn't just do that. 
In the last couple of days, Republican and Democrat senators for Wisconsin have come out and said this. Not only is the media not mentioning who was doing it, or only in, in passing, with the suggestion that he was just mentally unhinged, and it's just one of those things, but politicians, local politicians, have come out with a joint statement warning, quote, against politicizing the Waukesha tragedy. Oh, my God. Here it is. Yahoo News. Wisconsin senators, a Democrat and a Republican, issued joint statement warning against politicizing the Waukesha tragedy. Is that because it's politicized enough in and of itself? So don't do any more? It's obviously a political... Uh, don't politicize it because it's already super political anyway, right? You think... <laughs> I'm being facetious, but like it's yeah. like, don't politicize. It's like, we, we're not politicizing it. It's clearly a political act. Yeah. Well, would, what do you mean no, don't politicize but, but, it? but to fill in that and to say, well, it's clearly a political act, is they're suggesting to politicize no, it. No, but politicizing is suggest that I'm politicizing it when it's not political. It is political. Yeah. Clearly, by the, by the details of the actual act, it was in response to the Rittenhouse trial. It was a deliberate, deliberate attempt to kill and, and maim white people because as a result of the Rittenhouse yeah. trial result, which wasn't, didn't even involve the death of black people except... It wasn't even a death. It was the whole protest that Rittenhouse was at were a result of a, of a black cop or a cop shooting a black guy. Yeah. That caused the protest. That caused Rittenhouse to go down and kill two white guys who attacked him and then get, get away with self-defense, which was fair enough. So this guy then goes and kills a bunch of white people deliberately. So you put that in that whole string of that context in that whole sequence of events. It's clearly a political act. So how can anybody turn around and say, in and of itself, it's political? Yeah. So how can anybody accuse anybody of politicizing it? Exactly. And now, pass your mind back to all the times a car has plowed through a group of people. London Bridge. Killed two people, maybe? Knocked down another four? Headline news globally from here to Timbuktu. Islamist terror attack. Mm. We knew that right away, and we were going to paint it as such right away. It was just two people. But that's not political. Here, that's eight religion. people were killed. That's religiousizing it. <laughs> Same thing. It, the the, the politics is in the treatment of one thing or another. Yeah. And it's, it's pure politics. And people know, because already so. $2 million have been raised for victims' funds. A, uh, I think a, a Green Bay Packers football player personally said, all the funerals, I'll pay for them. Hmm. People know. Despite the wall of silence, at least at the national media and global media, because everyone should have heard about this. Cast your mind back to um, 2017. One, a, a person was killed in Charlottesville 2017. Again, everyone from here to Moscow knew all the details right away. And they were encouraged to think about it and talk about it and how racist America becomes. Charlottesville, one guy, the, the Wikipedia entry on him, a statement in fact the Charlottesville car attack was a white supremacist terrorist attack perpetrated in August 2017 when James Alex Fields deliberately drove his car into a crowd of people in Charlottesville killing one person and injuring 35 so the guy who did the thing in Waukesha what's his Wik Wikipedia entry going to say about, about the, the haven't looked but it'll be like mental illness I, probably so far it's going to be motive unknown. Wait for the, the trial. What's the opposite of white supremacist? Because clearly that's what he should be described as. Well, is, is it that simple? Is he because he's 
partly black, not fully. I mean, he's got dreads and yeah, he's got darker skin. I'll call him racist then. Is he? Is it a racist is and a racist racism? car attack? Well, yeah, obviously. But of course, you could say that it's provoked by the white supremacy and the racism of white people that allowed Carl Rittenhouse to get off from shooting other white people, whatever. Um, it's, but it's certainly it's, it's, it's reasonable. It's reasonable to flip the script on them and say, therefore, ergo, this was a black supremacist mm. getting revenge for his side, yeah. and then you have two, just two equal sides. But right. it's, it's not some, that simple, though, because his sympathies are shared by a lot of white anti-Trump, let's say, and yeah. you know, resistance people. But they're self-hating whiteies. If you want to term st- for everybody, if you, if, if you want to <laughs> stick to the racial issue, but it's bigger than that. It's you get these immediate corporate media right. democratic establishment corralling so what, around the issue yeah. it's not to protect blacks Nancy Pelosi doesn't give a shit about working class blacks right. she's, she's gathering around and the system is gathering around to protect not a black person per se but a whole ideology that takes in the whole spectrum of everything so the whole racism thing is a as a canard in a certain sense. It's not. It's, it's part of it. It's not it's actually. Not, it's not. The it's thing. not really the thing. No. But they want to use it as portray it as racism in America because it's easier to deal with in that way and easier to demonize one group over another, etc. But what is it then? I mean, it's it's obviously the issues are known in each specific situation. So people trying to safeguard their own. Well, it can be a host of different things, but they don't actually address those. They just label it with this oversimplified. Uh, term racism and it's easier to portray it in that way and it also helps to divide the population against each other because a lot of the things that people are actually in the cases where events like that happen i mean in the case in the waukesha thing the guy was obviously just a nutbag right and he he should go to prison for the rest of his life because he just murdered six people but in a lot of the other cases it's there's a lot of other smaller issues uh you know very local issues that are that that are the problem that are that are shared by People of all colors, all stripes, right? Yeah. And, but you don't want to highlight that. The government, the media don't want to highlight that because that tends to unify. That would lead to maybe a unification of people along common issues or common problems that they all share. So it's far better to pitch it as racism because then you can secure a kind of divide and conquer type of yeah. uh, situation. Yeah. So and, it's a, and it's maintain a, the political fuel right, a, that effectively, well, they say officially propelled the Democrats into power in right. 2020. Racism. Because it was that fuel. I mean, uh, last week, another side note, um, a journalist from the New York Times had written a story about the Kenosha riots at the time in early September, say, for the New York Times. Submitted deadline, here it is, boss, to her editor. They shelved it and said... <laughs> We're not going to publish this until after the election. She recently divulged this because she's now an independent. She quit and disgusted this. She's now an independent journalist, set up her own company or whatever, with some former ex-colleagues like, you know, not Alex Berenson, but others who also left New York Times in disgust at the rank politicization of topics like this. She was just simply going to point out a contextual report during that madness, the polarization around it, to give some backstory to Kyle Rittenhouse. So she was going against, the mainstream narrative by then was Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist who just likes to kill blacks, even though he didn't kill any blacks. You know what I mean? But the narrative was set. He was condemned in trial by media. She wanted to post something a bit more balanced. The people who killed were actually white. He was being chased. The situation, you know, there were other armed people on the streets that day. It was mental in Kenosha. Here's a contextual story about what was happening that day. Her boss said, no, we're going to 
save this until after the election. So we Why? can use it as leverage. Because there's Trump. a greater victory. There's a greater good we're, yeah, we're this after can be here. used to demonize Trump if we can portray this guy as a racist, out to kill yeah. black people. Yeah, that's how the media works, and that's why people should be extremely skeptical it's, of everything. It's not here just in the, the media. media, though. I know. It's all the intelligentsia. No, the whole lot. Do you remember Jonathan Haidt's piece in The Atlantic after Charlottesville? Headline mm. Trump breaks the taboo and pays the price. I want to read out the first paragraph. This is how, this is how the American mind, the intelligence, the, the best of the best of, of the their people. intellects, wanted to frame the fact that one guy. One woman in that case was killed by one guy and that his motive was political, white supremacy, etc. in Charlottesville. In the car, yeah. He says, taboo and sacredness are among the most important words needed to understand Charlottesville and its aftermath. Taboo refers to things that are forbidden for religious or supernatural reasons. All, all traditional societies have such prohibitions. But every society also makes something sacred, rallying around a few deeply revered values, people or places which bind all members together and make them willing to sacrifice for the common good. The past week, Charlottesville, brought violent conflict over symbols and values held sacred and saw President Trump commit an act of sacrilege by violating one of our society's strongest taboos. Which is what? Killing people? <clears throat> Namely that he didn't, remember what they said, didn't he strong. didn't condemn the Unite the Right rally hard enough that prompted the BLM-type Antifa counter-protest that prompted supposedly James Field to go and run over a person. And Trump wasn't, you know, condemning it hard enough. He wasn't, to use the term politicized, he wasn't, come on man, this is a political moment. Make it a historical moment. It's, it's taboo what just happened here, you know? Well, what's the taboo? I don't understand what his point about the taboo is. What is the taboo? Um, what, what taboo did he break? Did he breach? Well, he went, he went with the Jewish issue. He said, the psychological logic of the Unite the Right rally was to bind white people together with shared hatred of Jews, African Americans and others under a banner and narrative of racial victimhood and, and racial purity. Mm. The psychology of sacredness and its function in binding groups together is essential for understanding the method and motives of the marchers. Mm. It goes on. It's basically he's basically making an ideological connection between Trump not condemning the Unite the Right rally mm -hmm. fast enough because he did eventually. Jesus, they they got him to say it seventeen times. Someone did a study on that, mm -hmm. but it wasn't quick enough or fast enough. But that's BS because the point wasn't whether he did do it fast enough. The point was to ideologically connect a guy killing a woman with well, shit. That's a consequence of us all living in Trump's America. Mm. This one person becomes a sacred death because Trump. Mm. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm getting mm -hmm. at here? The, the extreme politicization mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. and had, having no connection to reality and the exposure of its lack of connection to the real world as experienced by most Americans mm -hmm. of all colors and creeds mm -hmm. is, is brought to bear by what just happened in Waukesha and the media going, crickets. Mm -hmm. What? I, I didn't see anything. Mm -hmm. Taboos. No, no one. No one made any lengthy missives about taboos in the Atlantic mm. over the death of five grannies and an eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no taboo broken there. We'll just stay quiet. Yeah. Well, we'll wait till the investigation. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's so much bullshit around it. It's it's, it's hard to take. It's hard to hard to stomach. Um, and I think we've you know shoveled enough bullshit, shoveled through enough bullshit in the media in the show today. Uh, hopefully, yeah. we, we uncovered a few. Well, we uncovered a few gems of distilled out a few gems of truth. Let's say uh, during the show. Was there any uh, anything we need to report on or, or, or comment on in the comments, Scotty? Not that I noticed. Just general commentary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The woman who died was who was hit dead of a heart attack, not the blunt trauma. Yeah. Well, that's that's the state of the world we live in, and as you can understand, it's very complex. Uh, it takes a lot of thinking and a lot of uh, perspicacity and non-identification with ideologies and a lot of the you know well the different ideologies that are pushed on people and people are encouraged to identify with, you have to resist the urge to do that if you really want to see what's actually going on clearly uh, or as clearly as possible in the world. And that, by definition, means you kind of take a step back because you're not really involved directly and you don't take a side in that sense, at least not in the the way it's framed. You know what I mean? You don't take yeah. sides the way that, that there, those sides are offered to you. You have to take a step back because really the whole thing probably isn't going anywhere good. It's all going to break down in one way or another at some point in the not too distant future but you can be you can rest assured that we'll be there to uh, chart the course chart the decline we won't be hiding the decline no no get we'll... that reference <laughs> we will chart the decline uh, week on week and maybe more often depending on what happens so um, but yeah we'll leave it there for this week and we'll be back next week thanks for commenting for watching for listening whatever you're doing smash all the buttons because that's good to do and we'll be back next week on our show. Until then, have a good one. Thanks for listening, watching. Bye-bye. Can't stop the signal now.